This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. All the series are underway. Surprises galore. But let's just take a moment because he works so hard and is so underappreciated. My producer, Anthony Pusick, feeling so good about himself. I woke up this morning to a nice emoji of a Kraken ripping apart a ship, and I assume that ship is the uh, SS Avalanche. And even though it's just one game, I'm sure my producer, Anthony Pusick, is very excited about his Kraken pick to upset the Avalanche with their big 3-1 win last night at the Ball Center. So congratulations to you, Anthony. Well, one game does not make a series, as you know, Don, but it was a pretty convincing win. It wasn't the most convincing win well, or upset of the night, though. Well, but I will, I will tell you this, that it's the unconventional way to win a game in the early going to the playoffs because this was not a special teams game. The Kraken are the only team in the postseason to win without scoring a power play goal. And, and that is the theme so far. They're calling a lot of penalties. And if you score on the power play and you don't score on the power play, that is going to indicate the result of the game. And I just did a little math here. For both the Islanders and Rangers need to pay attention to this. The Islanders on the negative, the Rangers on the positive. The winners so far in the first two days of the playoffs have gone 13 for 33 on the power play. The losers have gone 5 for 27. And the only one to score multiple power play goals, of of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs last night getting a couple of power play goals uh, in defeat. So it's just it's kind of rare that you're going to be in a position. Dallas was the other to score multiple power play goals and lose. But that's what it really comes down to. And uh, that's why I think I was impressed with the Kraken. They just straight up beat the Avalanche. And at 2-1, going into the third period, you were ready for, lack of a better word, Avalanche of Colorado opportunities there. And the Kraken were really going to be tested. Grubauer was very, very good. Um, But you, you, you saw 14 shots to five. But it wasn't what you expected, especially with the Kraken scoring the early goal by Geeky four minutes into the third period to make it a two-goal game. So good on Seattle. That's a good win for them. And no matter what happens tomorrow in Game 2, I'm sure that building is going to be up for grabs for Game 3 with the Kraken feeling themselves right here. And everybody but Anthony Pusick felt like it was going to be a clean sweep or a five-game series, and it may still be. I mean, listen, we've still got a long way to go. I do not think game one is any kind of an indicator. But for Seattle to play in their first playoff game and to get a win like that on the road against the defending Stanley Cup champions, Grubauer was a huge, um, I I think, question mark. It certainly was for me going into this series, and I thought he did a tremendous job making 34 saves uh, in the victory. Uh, The other game last night, I got a chance to call over at the Rock, a 5-1 thrashing Rangers over the Devils, and and really just came down to special teams again. If you look at the 5-on-5 play, uh, the Devils, you can make the case, got the better opportunities. All of their shots came 5-on-5 because the Devils went 0-for-4 on the power plate with zero shots on goal. So that's a big, big key. And then the Rangers go two for three on the power play and came within a whisker, a high stick by Lafreniere, of going three for three on the power play. And that's the difference. So we can look at a 5-1 win and say, well, it was never close. It was close. I mean, the Rangers scored a quick goal from um, Tarasenko, which I thought was big, the Kreider power play goal, after the Devils failed on two power plays early in that game when it was one nothing. 
The Devils, who came in with the ninth-best power play in the NHL, they get a goal there at 1-1. I think it completely changes the game. And even at 2-0, there were opportunities for them to score when the ice was tilted in the early portion of the second period. But Igor was very good. Devils cannot convert. It never becomes a 2-1 game, which can change the complexion. And then you know Ryan Bobby Orlingren pinches and finds the sharp angle to make it 3-0. And then an onslaught of devil opportunities early in the third. And that's where I thought Igor really shined. Because even even though it's 3-0, an early goal by the Devils, you know, again, changes the complexion. If you remember earlier in the season, uh, the Rangers had a 3-1 lead in the third period, and the Devils came back to win in overtime. You saw what happened to Edmonton against the Los Angeles Kings in day one. They had a 3-1 lead going into the third period, lost in overtime. So if the Devils score there early, make it a 3-1 game, again, it changes. And I thought a huge, the biggest save of the night to me was Palat between the circles, right at the doorstep, all alone, big glove save by Shesterkin. And that was pretty much it. And the only devil goal came on a huge penalty shot with less than three minutes to play. And I got to tell you, he's really good. I mean, he is really captivating to watch, even in defeat. And you're going to see a lot of him. He played on on multiple lines, getting a bunch of minutes when the Devils fell behind. And uh, he is just very, very good. But I thought the Rangers did a great job to slow the game down. When the Devils were in the zone, they had a lot of trouble outside of that plot moment of really getting in front of the net. Uh, Not a lot of odd man rushes, even though I thought the Rangers did turn the puck over a lot early in the game. Uh, They contained things. And it was just like I thought they put on a clinic. Um, of, of not having to pinch other than the lingering goal. Uh, the Rangers did not have to sacrifice defense to get the opportunities, and that's going to help when you score two of your five goals on the power play. So it really showed the experience of the Rangers, the inexperience of the Devils. And we had Henrik Lundqvist on the Michael K show yesterday, and I thought he really made a great point about experience is that there's a lot of ebbs and flows momentum swings in the postseason an experienced team knows not to buy into those things don't get too high don't get too low you got to stay even keel and the devils you know as an inexperienced team you know how do they take this gut punch of a loss i mean the building was tremendously loud it was a great atmosphere and it could be a little bit of a, of a knock to lose that first game. How do you bounce back from it? Veteran teams, you listen to the Rangers after the game, you would think they lost uh, because they talked all about the things they still need to do better and how the series isn't over. Um, so that comes with experience. They were the inexperienced team last year. They knew how to overcome a lot of the adversity, down 3-1 against Pittsburgh, having to win a game seven uh, in Carolina. Um, that's what the Devils are going to have to learn here in this series. So it's not over by any stretch, but how do they learn from this 5-1 loss? How do they come back tomorrow to try to even the series? Because as good as the Devils have been this year, and even though home ice advantage may not be a big deal in the series, if you lose the first two games at home, now you've got to win four out of five. And now you've got to be able to win uh, games on the road, which at least two games on the road in order to come back and win the series. Very, very difficult. So they come back, square it up for a game three, even at one. Series is up for grabs. If the Rangers play well and win and go up two games to none, it could be very, very difficult for a Devils team to be able to fight back. You saw the difference in goal as well. I don't think either goaltender was really overly tested in this game. 
game. There were not a ton of shots on goal. Devils with 28, the Rangers with 23. Uh, but I thought that Igor was the better goaltender. I thought that going into the series. So we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow. I'll have the call with Dave Maloney. Lightning put up a touchdown. We can't go any further when you talk about me being the hardest working person. When you did on 1050, after doing the Michael K show, the pre, the game, and the post last night. So kudos to you, Don, and coming back and doing game misconduct today. Well, listen, it's hockey. I mean, there's worse things to do in the world than working a lot on something that you love, but it was not a big deal. My father worked for a living. I play for a living, but uh, listen, it was a long day for sure, um, but uh, it was still a lot of fun to be involved in there. The atmosphere was great, so... uh, Looking forward to at least getting back to normal with just the play-by-play coming up tomorrow with Dan Grasso doing the pre and post. But thank you, Anthony, for acknowledging uh, the effort. But it was a lot of fun. Lightning, 7-3 over the Maple Leafs. Quick three goals and two of them you don't expect. Belmar on the fourth line. Sorelli scores to make it 2-0. Kucherov makes it 3-0. But wait a minute, Toronto's going to be heard from back-to-back power play goals for them as they get goals from O'Reilly on the power play, Nylander on the power play. So now it's 3-2 as we get later in the second period. Um, point scores on the power play, and that's when everything kind of falls apart. And then uh, you saw Bunting take the um, the match penalty, two more goals in quick succession after it was 4-2 on the point goal. Perry scores late at 17:54. A minute and four seconds later, point scores again, and that was pretty much lights out from there, 6-2. Colton, he gets a goal in the third period uh, to make it 7-2. Cosmetically, it was a yarn crook goal uh, just a couple of minutes later to make it 7-3. But really, it's about the power play. And even though Toronto went 2-for-5, that match penalty from Bunting, the quick two goals after it was 4-2, put it away. You take a look. I mean, how often do you really see, when you take a look at the second period, there were one, two, three, four, five goals scored in the second period. Two by Toronto, three by Tampa, all on the power play. I mean, just it's it, it's crazy to think. Um, Leafs go two for four on the power play. Uh, the Leafs go the um, Tampa goes four for eight. You, you can't give the Tampa Bay Lightning eight power play opportunities, and of course, the long five minute major certainly didn't help Toronto at all. Goaltending was a mess. Just an awful performance by Toronto at home. Uh, both teams need to tighten things up as far as their penalty kill is concerned. But, you know, here we go. Same old Toronto, right? Automatically give up home ice advantage. Look awful. I still believe in this Toronto team. I do. But Tampa just shows you why they've been to three straight Stanley Cup finals and why Toronto hasn't been able to get out of the first round in 19 years. And it was all encompassing in the 60 minutes of hockey that you saw last night. Anthony brought up the surprises, of course, the Kraken, but very surprised by Winnipeg. Not just the fact that they won the game in Vegas, but also how handily they won the game at 5-1. Remember this about the Golden Knights. They've not been great at home, so that kind of holds true. And they might have to take a look at their goaltending. And I just don't know if they're going to go to Jonathan quick gives up um, four goals on 30 shots, and then you had the empty netter. But, you know, the usual suspects for Winnipeg, Connor, Dubois, Wheeler, Lowry got a couple of goals, so really outside of uh, nothing from Shifley as far as goals are concerned. No really surprises offensively by Winnipeg, but uh, it was a 2 nothing game. Then things I thought were going to kind of stabilize themselves 
after Vegas got the goal from Carlson to make it 2-1 late in the second period. And that would be it because the third period on the road owned by Winnipeg. So that's a really nice win. We talked about what happened with the Kraken. Just a quick recap on day one. Same thing with the power play. Two power play goals for Carolina, none for the Islanders. Hurricanes win 2-1. to one. We know that this every game of the series is probably going to be 2-1. Just what side of the ledger are the Islanders going to be on? The Islanders, we all know, are going to be limited offensively. They've got to be able to take advantage of their power plays if they're going to win the series. I still believe they can. Um, they've got to give up less shots, 37 shots on goal. A lot of that did come from the four power play opportunities that Carolina did have. Um, no surprise with the Bruins beating the Panthers. You know, Talking to people around the NHL, being at the arena last night, everybody feels like all of these series could be up for grabs. The one you don't feel great about is uh, the Panthers being able to compete with Boston. And Boston, of course, was shorthanded. Olmark did play in the game despite being sick, but no Bergeron. Doesn't matter. They win the game pretty handily when you look at it. Uh, and they did a great job of just doing what they do. And everybody, you know, Pasternak, Marchand getting the job done. Maybe a little bit of nervousness after the Kachuk goal made it 2-1. to one. But when you watch the game, the ice was pretty much tilted to brusque with the goal that turned out to be the insurance they needed. Scoreless third, but no surprise, Boston taking care of business. Wild and the Kings win in overtime. Stars had 53 shots on goal, so I wouldn't get too upset about Dallas losing that game. If, if, I, if I'm going to need my goaltender to have to play that great the entire series, I'm not looking at going too far. But Gustafson was tremendous, making the 51 saves, and that clearly was the difference, as we mentioned. The only teams to score power play goals and lose Toronto and Dallas, and certainly the goaltending for Minnesota was the big difference there. They had 48 shots on goal themselves, so very wide open game. I think this is going to be a fun series. I picked Dallas. I thought it was going to be a shorter series. This could be a longer series for sure. But the Kings, they're not the champions of old. It's been nine years since they won the Stanley Cup, and there's not that many guys, Kopitar, Doughty, that are were a part of that. But this is still a consistent playoff team that knows how to uh, handle situations. And to be down 3-1 to one the way they were going into the third period in a building that was completely up for grabs, that was pretty impressive. Kempe's had a tremendous season. Kopitar, you know, these are the guys we mentioned that we felt are going to have to have big series if they're going to win, and they had a big game one. So um, tough losses for Dallas and Edmonton at home in overtime. Of course, Dallas losing in double overtime. But, you know, Edmonton's fine. They had 40 shots on goal. Um, you know, Skinner, you know, first uh, opportunity here in the postseason, I, I thought still was pretty good with the 35 shots that he faced. That's going to be a fun series. It was a fun series last year going seven. Expect to be uh, another deep run uh, for uh, this series as well. So surprises, a lot of fun. Same four matchups that we had you know, back on Monday with uh, Carolina, Boston, Minnesota and Los Angeles all looking to take 2 nothing series leads. So I'm expecting it to be a lot of fun tonight. These playoffs are just tremendous. And just when you think you got it all figured out, you'd have no idea. And believe me, outside of Anthony feeling good about his Kraken pick, uh, I don't know what's going to end up happening here in these playoffs. But uh, the one thing I can tell you for sure is just make sure you do not, under any circumstances, take too many penalties they seem to be calling everything 
Los Angeles scored their game winner from Ayafalo on the power play. You know, growing up, you never saw, unless it was something blatant, power plays called, penalties called in overtime. That's completely changed. So I don't know if there's an edict or whatever out there, but they're calling them as they see them. And uh, if you commit penalties, you're going to have to pay the price because the skill level in these playoffs, you're not, you can get away with it in a regular season when you're taking on a bunch of teams that have got no shot. I mean, that's why, you know, it, it, we brought it up with EJ on Monday. You start talking about, well, this team, like the Devils were ninth on the power play. They were fourth on the kill. Well, that's against all the teams in the NHL. So on any given night, you might be playing a lousy team, a team with no hope of making the playoffs. Now, these are all playoff teams. These are all teams that made it through the regular season and were in the upper echelon in a lot of categories to be able to get there. So you're talking about really skilled players who are going to take advantage of every opportunity, and you've got to be able to take advantage of yours, and that's never going to change in this league. Let's close it out with your tweets, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Let's start with Anthony. No, that that one, the other Anthony. If Tampa wins their third cup, would you consider them a dynasty? And if so, where would you likely rank it among history's greatest NHL dynasties? Well, you look at the recent dynasties. Let's not go back to the Canadians and the Islanders. That was a long time ago. The game was different. There was a lot less teams. But if you look at the recent dynasties, okay, when did Chicago is one that leaps to mind, right? Chicago won in 10, 13, and 15, right? So it was a little bit spread out. If Tampa were to win this year, you're talking about three cups in four years. And the one time they didn't win the cup, they went to the Stanley Cup final. So, you know, to be able to go to four straight finals and win three of them, I think that ranks higher than Chicago. I think it ranks higher than what the Devils did, which would be the other one you'd think about with 95, 2000, and 03. That was spread out. They went to four finals in that period, losing to Colorado, uh, if you remember, in seven games in 2001. Um, where do the Los Angeles Kings rank? Not quite a dynasty, but two cups in three years and went to a conference final in the uh, series in between or the year in between in 2013. So I would rank it higher than that. Uh, you look at uh, Detroit. All right, what Detroit won in 97, 98, and 2002. I probably would rank it higher than that because of the fact that they were able to put three in the four years. So, yeah, they have, they've won one game here. Let's not get crazy, but if you want to play the what-if game, it would be one of the great rivalry, one of the great dynasties of all time. And when you talk about future Hall of Famers, Stamkos is going to the Hall. Kucherov's on the fast track for that. Hebbins on the fast track for that. Vasilevsky's on the fast track for that. Let's see what ends up happening with Point, but he's been brilliant uh, during this time. I, I, I think John Cooper is one of the most, overrate, uh, most underrated coaches in sports period i'm talking not just hockey in any sport uh the fact that he doesn't get talked about as one of the great coaches is kind of baffling to me uh let's go to nicholas did game one say more to you about the rangers or more to you about the devils and what are you looking for for thursday night's game two well i'm looking for a lot of the same i mean the devils want to open it up but you know the rangers didn't let them do that you know um I would like to see the Rangers be a little bit more disciplined. I mean, I would not continue to give the Devils four power play opportunities and expect them to have no shots on goal. But honestly, I think the Rangers played well. I think um, they they were in a defensive mode, but it didn't come at the expense of, of exploiting some opportunities. Um, I think the Devils' adjustment has to be just cashing in on their opportunities. I, I look at the way the Devils played, 
and I, I think they spent some time in the zone. I think they'd like to get a little bit more bodies in front of the net. You did see that late in the third period, getting some bodies in front of Shesterkin, but but obviously they spent some time in the zone, had 28 shots on goal. Maybe, uh, obviously, they got to do better on the power play. And again, I think if they did do better on the power play, that's a completely different game last night. So I don't think there's huge adjustments on either side um i i i think it's going to be pretty much the same game it's just who takes advantage of their opportunities if the rangers go 0 for 4 on the power play and the devils go two for four or two for three like the rangers did then i could see the devils easily winning i think these are two very close teams but i was really impressed with the way the rangers were able to squelch at least the speed of the devils um, because they want to kind of exploit, get odd man rushes. But it's not like, let's get more odd man rushes. Odd man rushes usually come from turnovers and mistakes from the other team. And I think uh, if the Rangers continue to play the way they're playing, it's going to be very difficult for the Devils to be able to climb back into this series. Sir Harvey Cruz. Is this our Harvey Cruz? Let's take a look I at the picture. I think it is. It is. I got to talk to Harvey because we love Harvey. For people that don't know, Harvey is a board op at 98.7 ESPN New York, and he did the game last night, and obviously he did it under tremendous adversity because he is a Devils fan, so I had to sit there and cut all of the Ranger goals. But i got to talk to him, Anthony, because big Devil fan, right? Devils, 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 loves the Devils, and I'm taking a look at his social media, and he's got the Red Bulls banner. He's wearing a giant jersey. you got to get some Devil representation in your social media, buddy. But his question says, do the Wild have a better chance than expected against the Stars after taking game one? Well, again, I'll tell you, if Gustafson's going to have to go out there and make 50 saves, I give Minnesota none chance because you're not going to play that great uh, throughout. So I still think Dallas is the better team. I think they took advantage of tremendous goaltending. I still believe that Dallas is going to win that series. The exact same game can be played tonight with a completely different result because you just can't ask your goaltender to have to play that great throughout the entire series. Uh, John Gross says, do you think Toronto will win the series after their disastrous Game 1 performance? I do. We get caught up in one game because it's the first game. we got nothing to compare it to. Believe me, I've been around and, and, and calling games and covering Stanley Cup playoffs for decades and We've all thought game one was the end-all, be-all, only to see the team that loses game one go on to win the next four. I mean, it's we can't get too caught up. It's one game. And in and, and the one sport where home um, ice or court or, fee, or, or um, field matter or don't matter, it's probably the NHL. John Tortorello one time told me the only time home ice advantage really makes a difference is in game seven. And I agree with him there. So I would not freak out by Toronto. Tampa did show you that maybe EJ was right. This uh, sloppy play at the end of the season was nothing more than Tampa twiddling their thumbs getting ready for the second season. But I still believe this can still happen for Toronto. Brian says, the longer the series goes, the more it favors the Devils, in my opinion. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, well, I would ask Brian, why do you feel that? I mean, obviously, if the series goes longer, then the Devils are winning games. That's certainly going to be an advantage. Um, but I, I, since you didn't give me a reason why, I will try to guess your reason. And my reason would be that every game is a little bit more experience. Um, you've had some... Uh, listen, Nico Hishier played in his sixth playoff game last night and his first since 2018 um that was when they lost to tampa in five games uh mercer zero playoff experience um you look at brat uh i think at one game uh obviously hughes played in his first playoff game that could be pretty overwhelming and it's not your typical playoff game it's a playoff game against the new york rangers your arch rival 
uh, with a building that was completely up for grabs. I don't really remember outside of maybe the 2012 series um, the building being that loud. It was was pretty incredible. Um, So, yeah, I guess from that standpoint, every game they play is a little bit more experienced. They will go into game two with a heck of a lot more knowledge, some of those guys, than they had going into game one because now they know the speed. Now they know the intensity, and we'll see if they can adjust to it. Um, Abed Elementary says, do the Islanders still have a chance? Well, why would they not have a chance? They lost a one-goal game. Right? I mean, if I'm giving Toronto a chance, if I'm giving the Devils a chance, that and they got blown out, you know, uh, the Islanders lost a 2-1 game. They can go out tonight and win a 2-1 game. Um, and even if they lost tonight, you know, they still haven't played a home game yet. And I expect uh, the UBS first playoff game, the atmosphere will be tremendous. Um, we know how mightily Carolina has struggled on the road. Um, so, no, I, 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 I don't think um, that it's over by any stretch. Uh, R.C. Dub says, is everyone sleeping on the Jets? They have the goaltender, and to my belief, they will. They are well coached. They are. Uh, they are. They are very. They are very well coached. I've, I've, I've always been a fan. Um, maybe we did. I mean, listen, you, you're the eight seed, so um, I, I, you're going to sleep on the eight seed, right? I, I, Winnipeg has a lot of pieces that were part of that conference final run a few years ago. Hullabuck is uh, is a tremendous goaltender. Shifley, Connor. Dubois, these are high-end offensive players. Um, their blue line is solid. I, I wouldn't give it an A-plus by any stretch of the imagination, but um, maybe we did. But again, it's just one game. Vegas has been you know, shaky in goal here, and I think they will probably make a change for game two, and they've been shaky at home. But I'm not going to feel bad for sleeping on a team that was the eighth seed. Uh, Pete says, which road team's performance were you the most impressed with or was most surprising? Well, I was, I was a little surprised by how Tampa held um, uh, Toronto in check. But, you know, listen, how can Seattle not be the biggest surprise, right? They are in the postseason for the first time ever, going up against the defending Stanley Cup champions in a tough building. And they won, and they won the game, I wouldn't say handily, because it was 3-1, it was 2-1 going into the third. But you watched a lot of that game, Anthony. Did you ever feel like... They were in any kind of trouble that they didn't belong. I mean, once they scored the early goal, I even even after the game got tied, I never. It wasn't. This wasn't a case of stealing a game on the road because your goaltender was amazing. And they they went toe to toe with one of the best teams in the league, and they were a better team. And uh, I think uh, that that bodes well for them going for the rest of the series. But I was surprised that they handled themselves as well as they did considering it's the first time they're in the playoffs and they're going up against the defending Stanley Cup champions. That was pretty impressive. No, it was surprising. I mean, I, there was a there was a graphic that, that popped up in the first period and, uh, and Bob Wischusen was on the call um, that the Kraken averaged 22 or 21 shot, uh, hits in the season. And in that first period, they already had 21. Yeah. So clearly they had changed their strategy of how to play Colorado and how to play in these playoffs, and it worked out very well. Uh, for the first game. Um, the Mandwich says, which home team that lost worries you the most based off of their performance? Toronto. Last night. I mean, how could it not be Toronto? He specifically said last night, but even if I included um, the games back on Monday. Um, again, Vegas, I'm not overly concerned because I think they'll make a change in goal. They can make a change in goal. They've been kind of shaky at home all year. But the Leafs, 
that was that was disconcerting. That that was um, that was a bit of a problem. I'm not worried about the Oilers. I'm not worried about the Stars. So easily, easily, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs, and isn't it always the Toronto Maple Leafs? This is what I was worried about, Don. Yeah, you're right. This is why I picked Tampa. Now again, it's one game, but this is the quintessential Toronto playoff game. That worries It really you. is. It's it. it, it Which it, actually it, kind of makes me less worried for Toronto because they've got that out of the way already. Maybe. So maybe that's like that's at. it, and they, that's a wake up call. But I mean, this this Tampa team, regardless of how how long they've played and how long in the tooth they are, because of how much they played, is still very very good. Joseph asks a very good question. Wow, the Rangers came out flying. Nobody saw that coming. How do the Rangers avoid the second period of deadness and protect only strategy? Sometimes their second period by far, I thought this season, was their worst period for whatever reason. I don't know whether it's the long change. I, I really don't know what it is about the second period sometimes with this team. Um, I, I Listen, the Devils opened with 41 seconds of power play time in the second period. Didn't have a shot, but clearly they gained some momentum from that and had like the first four or five shots of the period. But I wouldn't say any of them were overly high quality. And by the time the period was over, it was even at eight apiece, and the Rangers scored the only goal. So um, I think sometimes it's just a case of uh, how much the other team wants it. I looked at the first period as just like a free-for-all. Like, it was, oh, the playoffs have started. We're having fun. It's been such a long time. These teams have waited. They knew they were in the playoffs for months, and now they're finally playing, and everybody's flying. And, and then it was like the second, the first intermission was like, all right, guys, <laughs> let's, get back to the, let's get back to our strategy. Let's not forget that there's a game to win. And then you really saw things kind of clamp down from there. And you see that a lot in the playoffs. You get that whole nervous energy out of the way in the first period, and then it's like back to work in the second but uh that is that it is an interesting comment that the second period has kind of been that way but boy i'll tell you what it makes it a lot easier when you've got a two-goal lead going into that second period as opposed to chasing but i expect all of these teams um most of these teams i should say uh to bounce back i i think you're going to see a much more competitive game tomorrow at the rock and uh, we'll see how it all goes but uh, a lot of fun today a lot of interaction which was great four more games first round of the playoffs are just so exciting four games flipping channels going here there so many intriguing storylines and uh, the one thing for sure is do not commit penalties because they're calling them so don't think you're going to be able to get away with anything in these playoffs at least early on so tomorrow uh, not, uh, tomorrow I got the call of the Rangers and the Devils, and Friday we'll reconvene again. We'll be deeper into the first round of the playoffs, analyze it all. You want to get in touch with me, you want to talk, you want to kibitz back and forth during these games, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct is the way to do that. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Again, thanks to Anthony Pusick. And this was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.